Hello and welcome to The Adventures of Superman from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. <laughs> Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, as Biggie Conroy, the racket boss, begins to slash the bandages from Clark Kent, who pretends to be seriously injured and unconscious. Kent, within his own mind, acknowledges defeat. He'll have my bandages off in a moment. Then he'll see I wasn't even scratched in that accident, and he'll know I'm Superman. What if I try to stop him? He'll know it anyhow. So there's nothing I can do. Nothing. My double identity will no longer be a secret. <laughs> Well, boys and girls, you know, the other okay, day... Okay, but don't move. I got a little automatic pointing into your back. At, at my back? You heard me. But, but we're on the air. You, you can't interrupt a program like this. No. I'm doing it, ain't I? Well, what, what do you want? I want you to say a few things. Just like I tell you. All right. What should I say? Say, the announcer on this program is the Jake. What? I certainly will not say that. I got a gun here that says you will. Okay, okay. The announcer on this program is a jerk. Good. Now say, but we forgive him because he was born that way. But we forgive him because he was born that way. Okay, now turn around slow and take a look. But remember, there's a gun on your back, so no false moves. All right. What? Why, holy smokes, it's Superman! April Fool. Oh, oh brother. Oh, I fell for that one. Well, don't feel too badly, Bob. Lots of us fell for April Fool tricks today, so you're just one of the mob. Boy, I certainly am. And after all, Bob, April Fool jokes are lots of fun and no harm, so you can just laugh them off. But you know, gang, it's not so funny to be an April Fool all year long. It's not so funny to fall for traps and phony stories that aren't meant to be jokes. For instance, there are always those smart Alex who go around trying to trick us into believing that people of one race or religion are better than those of another. Fall for that baloney, and brother, you'll be the fool of the year. So... Don't ever fall for the sucker bait that says that one man is better than another because of the color of his skin or the way he worships God. That would make you an April fool all year long. And now, the adventures of Superman. Knowing that certain criminals suspected he was Superman, Clark Kent tried to throw them off the track by pretending to be seriously injured in an automobile accident. But Biggie Conroy, a big-time racket boss, was suspicious. While Kent lay swathed in bandages, pretending to be unconscious, Conroy had him seized and brought to his house. Realizing that if he fought or even moved, he would betray his identity, Kent could only lie still, his eyes closed, while Conroy, preparing to cut away Kent's bandages, said to his henchman... 
Kent is all banged up, we'll know he ain't Superman. But if he ain't hurt, then we'll know for sure he is Superman. Meanwhile, Kent's friends, the famous Batman and Robin, having traced him to Conroy's house, knocked out two of the racketeer's guards and climbed to an upstairs balcony. But as they entered the house, three other men, armed with guns, surprised them. Now, while Biggie Conroy begins to slash away Kent's bandages, we find Batman and Robin standing at bay in an upstairs room as a burly man pointing a gun at the dynamic duo directs his two companions to use their upraised blackjacks. Knock them cold, shut down. Biggie's gun downstairs. You can tell us what to do. Here they come, Batman. What do we do? Just take your cue from me, chum. I'll take care of the big guy, get you. Give it to the chest. Okay, Robin. Yeah, man, get to work. Hey, wait, Biggie. What's that noise upstairs? I don't know. Superman, go see what it is. Yeah, yo. Okay, Biggie. Hey, it's a couple of the boys got in a fight. It's over now. Go ahead, Biggie. Get the rest of the bandages off camp. Okay, Slick. I just about got them off. Hey, Biggie. Now. Biggie. Hey, what's yeah. the matter? Two guys coming down the stairs. They got on costumes and masks. Come on, Robin. Let's take these characters. I'm right with you, Batman. Holy Batman. smokes. Batman and Robin. Where's my gun? Digger. Well, Ooh, Mr. Jimmy. Biggie, haven't we met before? Thank you. Come to cover, Higgins. Look out, Robin. The big guy has a gun. Biggie Conroy levels his gun at Batman, and more of his followers pour into the room. Clark Kent, forgotten for a moment, reaches to a table behind his head, grabs a heavy ashtray, and hurls it toward the ceiling where it strikes the light fixture, shatters it, and plunges the room into darkness. Saved by the belt. Keep hustling, Robin. Sure, Bobby. I can't see these mugs, but I can hit them. Get Batman and Robin. Finish them. As the fight rages furiously, blindly in the darkness, Kent, still wrapped in bandages, bounds from the couch and waves into the fray. Able to see clearly in the dark, he flashes about the room, smacking Biggie Conroy and his henchmen to the floor like ten pins, where they spin from the shattering force of Superman's blows and then lie still. Only Kent and Batman remain standing. Casting a quick look about him, Kent strides to a table in the corner where a lamp still stands erect, turns a switch and sends a soft glow of light into the room. What the... Kent! Yes, you got here in the nick of time, Batman. <laughs> you mean use it. I wondered what made all these guys drop so fast. I knew Robin and I could... Hey, wait. What happened to Robin? He's right here. Knocked out for a moment, but he'll be all right. You sure? Yes. Now, listen, chum. Oh, what wait, we got... your bandages are slashed. Did Conroy find out? No, no, he didn't. But he was just going to when you and Robin showed up. Now, listen. We'll tie these lads up, and then you phone for the police. Tell them they'll find Dr. Bushnell locked in a room in the cellar. Dr. Asa Bushman? Yes, Conroy abducted him as I figured. He's all right, but Conroy and his playmates will go to jail for life if they manage to beat the chair. Great. They'll never be able to prove you Superman then, even if they still suspect you. Right. Okay, let's get busy with your rope, Batman. I want to be back on that couch apparently dead to the world when Biggie Conroy wakes up and the police get here. Oh, oh Batman. Robin's coming too. Yeah. Better hop back onto your couch, Clark. You and I'll finish this little laundry. Okay, Oh, oh my head. Batman. Did the birdies sing you a nice song, sonny boy? Oh, you're not kidding. Christopher Columbus. Don't tell me you called off all these gorillas by yourself. Well, I, I had a little help. You mean me? Shucks, the joint was jumping when I passed out of the picture. Well, look, Batman, you don't know your own strength. Okay, cut the comedy, Robin. We've got things to do. 
pick up the phone and call Inspector Henderson and tell him to roll his biggest black Mariah down here. Oh, okay, Batman. Did you get the show away by yes, that? You ought to have made that crack about me. I almost did, Batman. Hello, headquarters. Let me to Inspector Henderson, please. Well, I want to report that Batman and Robin have a load of Easter presents. <laughs> Happily, Clark, Kent, Batman, and Robin wait for the police to arrive and start Vicki Conroy and his followers on their way to the penitentiary, or perhaps to the electric chair. And now Superman's long ordeal is over. For the first time in weeks, he dares to relax. But if he were aware of a scene that is taking place at this very moment, hardly a mile and a half away, he would spring into action with all the speed and power at his command. For a new threat already spawned is menacing the man of steel and those closest to him. A cunning, treacherous, deadly threat. The type that strikes to the heart in the dark and leaves no sign. We'll be back in a moment to learn more of this. So keep listening. Gang, I bet there's hardly one of you who doesn't know that Benny Goodman is the proud owner of the royal title, King of Swing. Yes, sir, his hot clarinet has been sizzling over the airwaves and jukeboxes for the past 15 years, during which time he's held on to the top spot. Why, some of the old Goodman records are collector's items today. They're hard to get, and everybody wants them. Especially valuable to swing fans are the records made by the famous Benny Goodman sextet. Those six men made swing history when they first started playing together. Benny on his clarinet, Gene Krupp on the drums, Lionel Hampton on the vibraphone. Teddy Wilson on the piano, Charlie Christian on the guitar, and Artie Bernstein on the bass. When those fellows played together, the joint really rocked. Yes, Benny Goodman always hired the men who were tops in their field. The best pianists and drummers and trumpeters in the business. But when it came to the color of their skin, the religion they followed, the country their parents had come from, the king of swing didn't give a rap for those things. No, it was music, and music alone he cared about. And music knows no racial or religious difference. When he finally broke up his sextet, expecting to retire, the Negro members, Teddy Wilson and Lionel Hampton, went on to form their own top-notch bands. And so did Gene Krupa. Now, Benny Goodman has formed a new band for himself, and as usual, he picked his men on the basis of talent and talent alone. He knows that's the way men make good music together. In fact, in that way, men can work together in all fields of endeavor to make the most of the best in peace. the adventures of Superman. In an untidy little office in a small soda bottling factory, two heavy-set men who bear a strong family resemblance sit at identical desks. They are in their middle thirties and have pale, beefy faces, tight lips, and pale eyes. Behind them, at the dirty window, another man sits on a case of empty soda bottles. A boy of about thirteen who resembles the two men at the desks stands between them as he is being questioned. Go on, tell us just what happened, Ralphie. Well, I went to see the two kids first. I told them what you said, that they'd better not show up on Saturday or they'd be sorry. So, what did they just do? Just a minute, George. You didn't tell them we said that, did you, Ralphie? Of course not, Dad. I said I was speaking for myself and all the other kids. Sure. What did they say? Well, they said they had just as much right as anybody else to be there. And to be in on the competition, too. 
And they were going to beat him. Oh, they said that, eh? We'll fix their hides a dirty now, little... Now, now, take it easy, George. No, John, you heard what Ralphie said. Well, I say we go to those kids' houses and teach them a lesson. Show them they ain't got no right to mix with our kind. What do you say, Henry? Well, I uh, want to hear what John says. I don't care what he says. I heard him... Shut up, I... George. What did you do then, Ralphie? Well, then I talked to Jim Olson. Jim Olson? Oh, he's the young daily planet reporter. Uh-huh. And he's kind of in charge when the coach can't be there. John guy. What's the matter? What did he say? He ran me off the field. What? what? Ran you off? Yeah. He said I was a rotten American and I had a filthy mind. And he said if I showed up around there again, he might lose his temper and beat my ears down. Oh, he did. You hear that, John? He called Ralphie, your son, a rotten American. He stood up for those other dirty kids and he threatened Ralphie. Are we going to stand for that? No, George, we're not. Now you're waking up. Let's go to work tonight. Now, hold it, George. We're going to work, all right. But we're not going to stick our necks out. Now, uh... I've got an idea how we can handle this. Safe. Let's hear it, John. I think it's time something was done about those two kids, too. And about this Jim Olson. All right. Now, listen. We've given those two boys ample warning, but they wouldn't listen. So we're going to take care of them another way. To show all the others like them, we mean business. Good. And to show everybody else in Metropolis what it means to stand up for kids like that, we're going to take care of Jim Olson, too. His pale eyes cold as ice and his flat voice edged with hate. The man called John outlines a vicious plan to his companions. A plan which means great danger to cub reporter Jimmy Olsen and two unknown boys whom Jimmy has apparently befriended. Who are these men and the boy they call Ralphie? What has Jimmy Olsen done to incur their displeasure? Who are the two unnamed boys? And what will happen to them and to Jimmy? We're beginning an exciting new Superman adventure, fellows and girls. One which will keep you on the edges of your chairs from beginning to end. Be sure to be with us tomorrow, same time, same station, for Chapter 1 of The Skin Game on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at this time. This program came from New York. Stay tuned to your mutual station for Captain Midnight, which follows in just a moment. And right after Captain Midnight, you will hear Tom Mix and his Ralston straight shooters. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.